Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hey, this is Matt. <laughs> hey, it's Ben. And this Welcome. is the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Welcome. Uh, ben, I was just asking you about your daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who rode a Greyhound bus across the country yeah, yesterday. Yeah, my 19-year-old daughter. Greyhound bus across, well, just to St. Louis from Indy, so. But that is across, when I say it's across a, the country. Yeah, it's not the entire country, but still. Yes. Several hours away. Yeah. 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 With uh, strangers? With strangers, yeah. She, she knew nobody on the bus. Surprisingly. <laughs> Older women and men on that bus? Yeah. You don't know their hygiene routines? You don't yeah. know their yeah. uh, criminal backgrounds? Yeah. Was this hard for you? Uh, yeah, it was. It was a little... Uh, it was a little um, and the bus station was a little chaotic. Would I'd you, never been in a bus station. Bus stations just, are, uh, are interesting there's people yell. There's people yelling, don't come up here unless I call for your... You know, I'm like, oh my gosh. Would so. you say it was concerning or disconcerting? And <laughs> after you say which one, please tell us the difference between those two words. Well, I've never heard the word disconcerting, but I've heard disconcerting. Is that what you mean? Mm, yes. Yes. I don't know what I mean. Yeah. Is it disconcerting? Yes. No. I think that's the word. Right, disconcerting. Well. It was a little disconcerting. <laughs> uh, my my daughter, though, she's got a good head on her shoulders, and uh, she she knows how to ask for what she needs. Uh, she she did great. So, um, so yeah, and she made it. She made it to St. Louis. So speaking of making it, you know who's made it. Who's that? Jeff and Sid Holesclaw. Jeff and Sid, they've really made it. They just published a book, mm-hmm. and they are co-pastoring up in Michigan together at a vineyard church that we know and love yeah. very and, well. And they're very good friends of ours. Yep. We've known them for years, you you longer than me, but um, but yeah, I mean, probably, what, 15 years? I've known Jeff and Sid since 2005, Yeah, so that's 14 years. Yep. Yeah. They, they are just some of the best people you'll ever meet. Yep, they're great. You're going to hear about deconstruction. We get in a little bit of their new book, um, so you'll really like that. But first, just a couple quick announcements. Yes. We are doing an Enneagram workshop in the Indianapolis area in a couple weeks, yeah? Yeah, a couple weeks, January 24th, 25th. Uh, we're going to be at um, 
St. Christopher's Episcopal Church. Ben will be there. Carmel. Ben's wife will be there. Yeah. And I may be there. We'll see. Yeah, we were just talking about whether or not... We, we, now that we're local, we've got one of these local... Like, travel isn't a big deal, so we can bring uh, as many people as we want. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Sometimes sometimes I need me time, you know? <laughs> and then we also have a parenting... I, I do know that. We, all, <laughs> we also have a parenting in grace and truth workshop, parenting workshop that we're doing in Lansing, February 21st and 22nd. Yeah. And I'll be leading that. You'll be with me. Uh-huh. Uh, this is, in my in IMO... One of mm-hmm. the uh, TBH. This is one of the <laughs> best workshops. You're really speaking to the millennials from this podcast, Listen up. aren't we? Uh, anyway. I really enjoy this uh, workshop and highly. I just if you're anywhere close to Lansing, Michigan, yeah, come, come and see us. Come and hang out, and we'll talk about parenting, and it'll be fun. Yes, parenting in grace and truth. It is probably one of the perpetual uh, just needs uh, that that so many people have is just you know uh we none of us got a manual the tagline is uh, i love my kids so much why can't i ever express that like can i ever like parent and love like, yeah. why does it feel so hard to get this intentional desire mm. inside yeah to get it into my body and my mouth yeah you know yeah. because I'm, because of, like your daughter yeah most of us have good heads on our shoulders yeah it just you know when our kids are acting like little rascals yeah it's difficult to know what to, All hell breaks what's loose, the goal. Man. Yeah, we, we lose it. Uh, we lose the goal. Yeah. Yeah, so that's ex- that's exciting. Uh, the other thing probably to mention is just uh, we do have a boot camp in uh, Ohio uh, coming up on February 1st that uh, anybody's welcome to come to. So uh, if you're interested in that, we'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes. Yep. So events, et cetera, uh, that are coming up, ways for you to connect with us uh, over the next few weeks. Yeah. Is that it? Is that all we got to say? Ladies and gentlemen, get ready. Jeff Jeff and and Sid Sid Holeswall. Jeff and Sid Holesclaw, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Welcome to our house. Thanks. Yeah. It's good. We're, to hang, we're hanging out in Grand Rapids. Good to be in here. In the Holesclaw's house. Yes. In an undisclosed location. The Holesclaw's <laughs> secret, uh, secret, secret house. bunker. Um, but Hiding it's right in plain sight on the street out here. Yeah. Yes. It's nice secret. Um, mm. You guys have snow like most, most of the year? Part, half of the year? Uh, we're just learning how soon we're going to have snow. It's a little surprising to have it this early. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. We, we drove up in this in this blizzard. We did. kind of crazy. We spent the last yeah. three days up in northern Michigan doing some planning for gravity, and then we were like, well, we're within an hour of y'all, and so we have to mm-hmm. find time to be here. So thanks for making space yeah. for us. Absolutely. Thanks for coming to us. We yeah. are, um, well, maybe just give an update. You guys were on the podcast uh, last year, and yeah. uh, I know you've, you're getting settled, more settled in your uh, new roles. So maybe uh, just remind our listeners... How that's uh, what your roles are in your mm-hmm. new church and your new state? Yeah, so we've been at Vineyard North in Grand Rapids for a little over a year now, and uh, we're doing largely we're hanging out with youth, so we're hanging out with teenagers mm. and um, trying to develop some leadership for our youth. And then we're also doing adult discipleship. We're taking responsibility for small groups and mm. for discipleship stuff and using gravity stuff with that process mm, and. Awesome. Uh, yeah, we're having a good time. We do some preaching. We do, I don't know, all sorts of, you know, brainstorming. Just 
general stuff. Strategy. Yeah, it's been good. Like it, it's kind of surprising how at home we feel hmm. after only a year. That's great. Um, so, and the the community has been really fantastically welcoming, and I feel like people have really embraced us and hmm. have been willing to trust us. So it's been a really positive transition. Yeah. Good. Although we do miss life on the vine. Sure. I will say that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so this church is home- in Chicago. Yeah, the church right. in Chicago. Yeah. Um, so this is a homecoming for you. You grew up here. Ha! Yes, I did. In some ways, right? I did. Um, Jeff, this is new for you. You grew up in California. Spent I don't know a couple decades in Chicago. I keep moving east. And yes. now you're now you're in so east Grand Rapids. North. Yeah, Grand yeah, Rapids yeah. is not at all like the suburbs of Chicago. What's been the biggest change for you or adjustment you've had to make? I like well. How close, like, the city and the country are in Grand Rapids? It's, like, hmm. seven minutes in any direction, and you're either, like, downtown or you're in, like, the country where people are driving around and guns and fishing and hunting. <laughs> I mean, our kids have loved it because hmm. uh, they're kind of giving me that, like, how come you never took us hunting? I was like, because I grew up in the suburbs of California. <laughs> like, I don't know anything <laughs> about hunting. So Soren's actually going hunting um, today. and Is so he? So it's pretty wow. fun that we're kind of getting, like, all all angles of these things. Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. All of Michigan within about 10 and minutes. And it's, it's yeah. fun to hear Soren talk about it. He's like, whether I, you know, I just think it's kind of cool to participate in this like activity that's as old as humanity. <laughs> that's like, one like, way to look at I'm it. I'm just going to sit and like, it's like people have been hunting yes. since like, wow. since the fall. Yeah. <laughs> oh totally. gosh. And I'm wow, like, that yeah. almost makes me want to sit in a sub-zero deer stand for yeah. 12 <laughs> hours almost. in a row. Okay, so Soren is... Never, and then never I'm mind, like, I think I'll, I'll read a book yes, about yeah. people <laughs> and how they used to hunt yeah. with my nice little espresso you can, <laughs> in a warm you house. Can just Google the history of hunting. There you go. Yeah. What? Uh, so Soren is your uh, high school? Yes, well, 16. High sc- and, and he has a brother, Tennyson, who is a year and a half younger than him? No, he, well, almost 15. So we okay. almost, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Boom, boom. Come, yeah, boom, Two boom. Two teenagers. <laughs> we got a busy life. So Soren's going to go deer hunting. Yes. Opening day is tomorrow. Oh, is I, I, we would not know. Although last night we were in, um, I, we won't mention the town, mostly because I don't remember the name of it, but we went to this bar last night for dinner. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, we walk in and everyone is in uh, brown camouflage. Everyone. Yeah. And yeah, there's, there's like a dozen people in there. And there's Keno machines everywhere. Mm-hmm. So they're playing they're playing the numbers. I don't even know how to play Keno. And everyone's drinking Bush Light. And I was like, this is this looks like Michigan. Mm-hmm. I think we're in Michigan. Yeah, northern northern Michigan. And they like look look like they were all either I mean, you don't wear camouflage to go hunting because then you get shot. So I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure what they were doing in camouflage. I don't know either. Do you know? I'm not sure either. Yeah, just it was like a Wednesday night. It was a Wednesday, yeah. Yeah, so yeah just a Wednesday camp. night. <laughs> Yeah. So. Um, well, so hey, we're in this. Uh, on Wednesday. We we stop by because we love you guys and we want to see you. Also, we're doing a series right now on our podcast. We've got a lot of people who are in various stages of coming out from their tradition, the Christian tradition they were raised in. And for many, it's like good riddance. For many, it's uh, awful and kind of terrible. Sort of like um, there's it's like convulsing and and cathartic. You know, as they sort of realize they no longer they no longer conceive of their faith or god the way they used to and um if anybody knows about catharsis it's you two right you guys <laughs> no wow that, what is that <laughs> saying no, sure i mean what that I, means i guess we're cathartic either. people no i think you guys have been uh, really faithful to mm. in your journey to be honest and show up 
over and over and over again. And um, I think, yeah, I, I'd love to hear some of your story about how you are learning to live in a faith that's sort of continually evolving. Yeah. So the, one of the themes for us uh, on this series has been like deconstructing your faith without losing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like how do you mm-hmm. how do you ask honest questions about the tradition you came out of? How do you ask uh, honest questions about you know about these things without sort of just ditching everything? Um, or uh, I think in the other ditch is just sort of like doubling down on like Re- fundamentalism retreating. or, you know, sort of retreating into certainty and saying, right. like, wait, I shouldn't ask those questions. Never mind. I'll just, you know, keep my head down. Like, how do you faithfully walk that out? I know you guys have had a little bit of a journey like that. So curious. I don't know the exact how. I Give us the formula. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I love to do how that. How many but... steps are there? <laughs> Well, first, but I can tell you some of my journey, and maybe that'll. Yeah, that's that's I, what we're. So I was about. raised in California uh, as a fundamentalist. I didn't know that until I went to college. But that's we were right. uh, on our previous podcast. You introduced yourself as the friendly fundamentalist. Yes, yeah, yeah, the friendly fundamentalist. And, um, Still you know, working on the cartoon series. I, I, I wasn't. <laughs> It'd be really good. Yes, there yeah. we go. Our next, you know, once we get this podcast launched, um, and uh, but I went to college and I studied philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, a lot of people are like, Oh, you're going to go to a secular college and like study philosophy. You're going to lose your faith. And I was like, well, I, I don't know. I don't think I will. And I did a lot of like outside reading of, you know, C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaeffer and other people to kind of bolster my faith. But what I learned in studying philosophy is that there, there are a lot of fundamental questions to life that really smart people disagree about. And so it wasn't so much the answers that I was learning. It was it was seeing in different topics, philosophy of mind or, you know, perception or memory. It's just like these are really complicated questions and people really disagree about the answers. And I think that kind of inoculated me with the uh, from the fundamentalist need for certainty of just like, hey, like you can still get on with your life and disagree with people about these really important things. And there's a lot of answers. Um and so that's kind of where it started. That was like one. So whether it was just like, you know, it, is this mug really a mug? And how do I know this mug? You know, empiricism and rationalism and idealism, you know, like philosophy and blah, blah, blah. And Plato's forms and all this stuff. So that was just kind of, a, I think, a process of kind of ratcheting down like the freak out, you know, certainty freak out that sometimes comes from um, fundamentalism that wants to have iner- the inerrant word of God gives you the answers for life. And anyone who says differently is apostate. Um, and then you find out that those answers aren't quite as clear as you think. So then you freak out. And um, hmm. and so I think like before I even had the faith freak out, I kind of had this um, framework of like, hey, these things are complicated. And then on top of that, I also did study a bunch of um, postmodern philosophy kind of in the late 90s. And so that also started giving me kind of some language but also you know danger points for like oh if you go like go down go down these you know trails like you kind of just end end up nowhere hmm. uh, and so before i started studying theology in seminary and before i started ministering i kind of had these categories of like you know fundamental questions in life are complicated and here are some good and or bad postmodern options that people in philosophy have already walked down so then when I started studying theology, I kind of saw similar kind of things. And, I was, and so I think I already had this sense of like, hey, you just need to, you know, like take one question at a time, survey the answers, um, 
you know, things are complicated, but they're usually not. Um, it's not just you go from here A to B all of a sudden, and it's, you only have two choices. And I feel like mm. a lot of times when people go through faith crisis, they just it's like, oh, we just have two choices. I believed all this stuff, but now I find that unbelievable, so I'm just going to not believe any of it. And mm. I think kind of early in my late teens and 20s, I just kind of got this like spectrum, like, no, there's like lots of options. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so what I hear you saying is like there's this to- totalitizing, I don't know if I said that word right, uh, there's this this blink to be sort of, black and white right so it's either yes or no mm. um my 11 my year old is is learning that this isn't the way reality works even though he wants it to be black and white um and so he is actually testifying to our church this past sunday mm-hmm. not everything's black and white even if you want it to be yeah <laughs> which for for his little sort of analytical kind of yeah. literalistic mind is yeah. uh could that be our first friendly fundamentalist good. episode <clears throat> for, yeah, friendly <laughs> fundamentalist yeah, yeah the first yeah. episode not yeah. everything's black and white but, yeah uh but i think that i don't know there's a there's a capacity to hold that jeff that i think is i don't know if it's unique but it's it's important right if you unless you get to the place where you can see yes and um, if it's always yes or no, yes or no, yeah. uh, if if it can never be yes and um, or no but, I guess you could say as well, then you'll always maybe be locked into those really reactionary binary frames, which doesn't mm. sounds like you were able through the studying of philosophy to see all these perspectives, to hold them all and appreciate them all. I think, yeah, absolutely. The other thing that shifted in my mind was that... Um, like intellectual knowledge doesn't change people. So like at the end of college, you know, I'd been like studying philosophy and a lot of apologetics. How do we defend the faith, you know, modernity and post-modernity? How do we kind of like convince people of the faith? And I think by the time I got to about 22, we got married and then we moved to Chicago. I was like, I like, you can't convince people of faith at all, at least not by good arguments. And Mm. so that's where I shifted to kind of really valuing um, the church, like the, the life of God's people is what convinces people of the truth of the gospel, yeah. not uh, how many arguments from the existence of creation or yeah. morality or, you know, like that, that those, those won't convince people. That might bolster faith, but that's mm-hmm. not going to convince people. Just seeing people love people and have faith mm-hmm. and hope and joy in circumstances where they normally wouldn't do that is yeah. what convinces people of faith. And so I mm-hmm. think for me, just my, that also I think reduced the urgency level on the intellectual stuff, it kind of raises the urgency level about how do we actually live as the church? Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. The, this has to work out in real life now. Um, it's not just a, a pristine idea that is unassailable. It's more like, no, actually, the gospel has to show up in our social community, or it really isn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Have you guys seen the? Have you seen the Good Place? The show of the Good yes. Place. Have you, I have. You watched it? Yeah. So what yeah. Jeff's talking about, Sid, is like, uh, you know, um, the yeah. good place is sort of revealing the reality just saying. You know, that you have the character Chidi, who's this philosophy professor. Yeah. And he knows all this philosophy. And he's a he's a uh, he's totally immobilized by all the options he has. He never lives in any virtuous ethical way. Yeah. And, he, um, and the show is deconstructed. And like, so he's trying to help people by teaching them philosophy. And it doesn't help them. Yeah. What's what's helping people is that they learn to love each other, mm-hmm. and they form a community in this show. So this show is actually really profound in the sense it's naming what you're talking about, Jeff, and demonstrating sort of the uh, what what the redeeming salvific part of you know this is a secular show about heaven and hell, but yeah. the redeeming part of their relationships is how they treat each other, right? Mm-hmm. You know, which is yeah. beautiful, and they care about each other so much that they convince a demon 
to end up helping them. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. a it's yeah. a really it's a profound show. show. Yes. It's really profound. Well, Sid, Spoil- spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> right. Sorry. It's been, out, it's been out for three years. It's yeah. Fun. Yeah. 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 Um, Sid, I wonder if you could um, maybe tell us what happens at the end of Sixth Sense, and also. <laughs> sh- I have no idea because as soon as I've watched a movie, like see dead within people. six months, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. No, I wonder if you could share a little bit about your journey and your story, and maybe how it's distinguishable. I know it's very distinct from Jeff's in some ways, but um, yeah, would you just share? Yeah, I think um, I I actually grew up with a pretty pretty intellectual um, faith uh, because of the you know I think the the Christian I grew up in the Christian Reformed Church and I think I talked about this on the last episode so I'm gonna try not to talk about the same things but um, I think I grew up with a, with a strong Christian education you know that like um, that there is a rational understanding for everything that God does and what God does makes sense um, and so I think that my deconstruction looked more like the moment when nothing made sense, um, which is sort of similar to that. But it's like when I lost my mom real suddenly, um, suddenly the sovereignty of God and didn't make as much sense anymore because it was like, Mm. if God is, if God is all the things that we say about him, if he's good and if he's loving and if he's tender and if he's kind, um, how does that match up with this sort of, um, feeling of like, you know, and then the, you know, and then people say things that are not super helpful when you lose somebody. Oh right? yeah. They're trying their best, but right. And I remember yeah. some of the things that people said were like, well, God just took your mom home because he <laughs> wanted to be with her so badly. And it's yeah. like, that does not help. No. Because yeah. that, like, it hurts. Yeah. It really hurts. And if yeah. God cares so much about my mom being with her, like, why is he willing to hurt the rest of us yeah. so badly yeah. just because like God is a petulant toddler that needs to have what he wants right now. Like right. that doesn't make any sense. feels like we could have used her yeah. a little bit more than right. you, God. Right. Yeah. So I think working through that and um, so that was really tough to have like all the things that I thought made sense now don't make sense experientially. So differently than from like a philosophical or like reading scripture kind of point of view, it was more like in my lived life, the things that I've been told about God and the things that I've come to understand about God don't make sense right now. Um, the sovereignty part of it, of course, was still there. But I think the the revolution for me came through um, healing prayer and meeting Jesus in a tangible kind of way in my prayer life and having Jesus show me that he experiences my emotions with me. Now, that was like the biggest turnaround for me that like that the things that happen to God's people affect God, right? That like God enters into things with us. And I mean, I don't want to go off on preaching a sermon here, but like, you know, we see it as early as in Exodus when God comes down and meets Moses in the burning bush and Mm. says, I have seen my people, I've heard their cries, I understand their suffering, and I have come down and I'm going to do something about it. And so I think meeting God in that kind of way of like, "I, I see your suffering, I see how much this is hurting you, and it hurts me that you're hurting like that, that was the big deconstruction for me is that like, first of all, God has emotions. Like (laughs) I didn't know God had emotions. And then when you start reading scripture with that idea that God has emotions, you see God has emotions all over the place. And then the second, the second part of that is like, you know, God actually is intimately involved in what happens to his people. He deeply cares and he's always at work and always doing something. 
And those are things that I think I had not really understood before. It was sort of like, well, God has his plan that he has set in motion, and it's just going to keep on going no matter yeah. what happens. Yeah. Nobody can get in the way of it. And I mean, God really does have a plan in motion, and nobody really can get in the way of it. But at the same time, there is this like participation in yeah. it that I just didn't have any awareness of. Yeah. So it, it sounds like the, the deconstruction was th- that sovereignty used to mean, like what you said, God has a plan and it's set in motion. But I'm, I'm hearing in that, like, and he meticulously controls everything about everything that happens. Right. right? That's, that's... So he, he, he was in charge of your mom dying. Mm-hmm. And he decided that was going to happen intentionally at that moment for some mm-hmm. sort of mysterious purpose. But the new, the new thought and the deconstruct, and actually... I mean, I'm hearing reconstruction in that as well. It's not just a deconstruction of maybe maybe God's not controlling all this, but there's also this reconstruction that isn't that that actually answers a deeper question and a different question, right? Where it's like, right. oh, God's presence is with me. Yes, God actually cares about this. He's not just running the show, you know, in some sort of executive right. And way. he experiences the the the. He experiences the pain of the fall just as much as we do. Yeah. I think that's the part that like yeah, yeah. and yes, the yes, he's already, you know, put the mm-hmm. he's already, you know, risen and ascended and, and defeated death, but he still experiences the pain of the consequences of death that we still live with. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. Yeah, so even as you describe that, Sid, I'm thinking, I'm listening to it through some of my uh, more classical theological training, and I'm hearing... uh, I hope this isn't too esoteric or uh, theological, but I'm hearing like the classical theist notion of God is that he is not, he does not have passions. He is impassable, Impassable, right? So he doesn't, he doesn't feel. And I was actually taught in seminary that all of those, I see my people, I cry, I'm like grieved, uh, is our, quote, anthropomorphisms. Right. That, that are used to describe God, but don't actually correspond or cohere to the reality of God. Mm. So that God, God is sort of this, God is this stoic, impassioned, always calm, always unto himself, completely sufficient, no suffering in God, right? Mm -hmm. And so then anything that describes God doing that in scripture are just, are just human projections onto God and or, human ways to describe a God who's indescribable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've had a similar revolution in my understanding of God, too, that uh, God, God in, the God revealed in Jesus Christ weeps at tombs, mm-hmm. right? And, and that, that, that's who God's always been. This is what the book of Hebrews tells us. We didn't really know this before. 
like we saw him in little glimpses and starts, but now we see him face. Like now we really see who God is, yeah. and it changes everything. And so I, I think, um, I, I guess I just want to. I'm just putting like my own words to like what you're describing and saying. I, I think that's a powerful shift. Yeah, and I think because of that shift and because of that connection, like as I get to know the Word, as in Jesus Christ, the Word, oh, yeah. better, yeah. then I'm more. I'm more willing to accept the mystery that I just don't like. There's a lot of stuff I'm just not going to know. And I don't say that in like a Pollyanna, like, you know, oh, well, I guess I just won't know. Um, But in a like, I trust who Jesus is more and more. And as I trust Jesus more and more, I trust my own judgment less and less. I guess if that, sure, like the Holy Spirit within me can judge rightly and discern well. Um, but I'm also willing to, to live with the tensions and the yes ands. And like Jeff was talking about, like people are really certain on different sides and, and things are, and I think another thing that has really helped actually is, you know, I homeschool my kids and, um, we've been, you know, part of what we have done is like classical debate, right? And so part of classical debate is you have to thoroughly understand the opposing argument um, and then actually we're going through this great book together this year with Soren. It's called Rhetoric of Love. And basically how like rhetoric itself does not convince anybody, but it's the love behind the words <clears throat> that, that will actually, you know, be winsome <clears throat> and compelling. And so, cause classical can, debate can turn nasty, right? Mm. Like people can just like fry their opponents for the sake of winning. Um, but this rhetoric of love is basically. Good thing that only happens in the past. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good thing. Stay off Twitter, Jeff. Thank goodness. Yeah, right. But it's but the idea that like the love behind, you know, and getting back to what Jeff was saying too, it's like it's not the argument itself that wins people. It's the manner in which it's communicated and the love behind it. Yes, and the, and the, the, I'm really, tr- I'm seeking to understand where you're coming from. I yes, really want to understand how you got to the place that you got and why you believe what you believe and why this is so important to you. And out of that place of understanding and compassion, right? Compassionate curiosity. Yes. Um, that that's where the, and so part of, part of writing persuasive essays that I've done with the kids too, is like, what do we all agree on? And how, let's start from that point. Hmm. Like we all agree yeah. on this Common ground. and here are the things that are different. And so I think even at, you know, as we look at ways that faith is being deconstructed and, I don't know, trusting Jesus in the middle of that and also trying to understand where we, how we get to the places we get to has been hmm. helpful for me. Yeah, so if, I, if I'm hearing you right, there's sort of this move to sort of this uncontrolling surrender to God's presence yes, rather than this controlling certainty of God's, of facts about God. Right, you know, and I mean, we've talked a little in the language before about like allowing, allowing the word of God to master me instead of me mastering the word kind of thing. Right. And I mean the word of God, the capital W, Jesus Christ in the flesh word. Right. Yes. yes. Mastering me. Totally. So maybe mm-hmm. this is a good then transition to, I mean, so the best part of, the best part of, uh, of maturing in our faith, and we could use the word deconstructing, um, the best part of that for me, and I'm hearing this also in your stories, is, is not sort of just standing outside of everything and tearing it down. But it's it is actually some reconstruction, some building back up, right? And so, part of the things you are doing now, this podcast that you've started, uh, this book you've written that's coming out in the next year, are part of how you're reconstructing and beginning to inhabit and live in this new place. Can you share a little bit, maybe maybe about your podcast first of all, and then how your book is related to that? 
Yeah, well, we just launched our podcast, which is called the God With Us podcast. And it's all just about kind of the themes Sid was sharing. Uh, we started off with a lot of actual like linking of neuroscience and spiritual formation and how does... And what it means to be created in the image of God yeah, and yeah. to image God in the world. And so for us, like our whole podcast is based around um, the idea, and I teach my theology classes the same way, of when we read the biblical story, if you read the first couple chapters right, um, the problem that emerges is not the, oh, what is God going to do about sin? problem. This is often how I was taught is like you get to Genesis three and sin has entered the world and now God's like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do about this sin problem? Jeff, hang hang on, this is really important. I I was taught I had a conversation in the last month with somebody who was adamant that Genesis three is all about humans violating God's holy standard. God has could be a whole nother podcast. God has a holy (laughs) this is part of what people are deconstructing though. I mean this is part of the constructs we carry around and then we and then we read everything through that. And then when, whenever there's evidence or data that contradicts that or doesn't fit into that, it creates so all kinds of dissonance for us. Mm-hmm. We feel like desperate and frustrated and angry. So, so then that's one of the ways to, const- that's one of the ways I've heard and I've had, I've lived in constructing that, but you're saying there's a different way of, of, of so, narrating this. So yeah, so we've been, if we want to use that language of deconstruction and reconstruction, we've been deconstructing and we do this in our book too, uh, Does God Really Like Me? Uh, mm. Where we look <laughs> at... Uh, That's the magic, name of your book? Magic, yeah, Does God Really Like Me? Yes. Discovering the God who uh, longs to be with us it's or wants to be with yeah. us. And um, mm. so we're deconstructing the idea that like God set up this garden situation um, and he made a rule to remind us that God is in charge and we are not and that we are the subjects and that he is the ruler. Uh, this is kind of what we've deconstructed. And what we what we talk about in our book and quite a bit in our podcast is no God, God is actually a loving father who has created the whole world for us to live in. And the garden of Eden is like a microcosm of the whole kind of house of creation that we're supposed to dwell in with God, who is a good father. And because our, our God is a good father who won't compel anyone to live in his house that doesn't want to live there. He, in a sense, created a door, uh, an an exit button, button, which, which basically says, I don't want to live here with you, God even though you're good. Uh, And the tree in some sense functions that way. It functions as the limit case of, do you want to be a part of the family that I've created with all the good things? And if you don't, I won't, you know, because if if someone will let you out of their house, what are you? You're a slave. You're a prisoner. Or or a a four-year-old. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Right? But, you know, and and so, so, so God creates a situation, you know, and Adam and Eve sin. But as I was saying, like, I don't think the biblical story is not, primarily telling us the story of how God counters sin. Rather, it primarily tells us how does God get, offer his presence to humanity again? So the question yeah. that... that When that, humanity I, continues to refuse it over and over and over again. And so God's yeah. always trying to offer his presence and mm. sin, our sin, keeps us from receiving that. But yeah. that's not because... So anyways, we could go down multiple so, streams. But right. So and that's our reconstruction is like, how do we view God as a good father and Jesus as a good brother? And right. Um, and, and so then, and so the podcast and the book is that is that wanting to continue to put that invitation before people continually that God still mm. wants to be with you. Yeah. No matter what you have done, no matter yeah. what you have thought about him, no matter what you have said to him, no matter how mm-hmm. many times you've turned away and refused him, no matter how many times you've hit the exit button and said, yeah. I want out. God continues to offer you his presence. So like the reason why we, we named the, the book the way we did is because I think the idea of God loving us has become like an overly intellectual 
kind of question right. of like, oh, yeah. God, yeah, I know God loves me. I know Because he has sees to. John 3.16 as football. Yeah. yeah, he has to. So it's kind of this left it's brain. it's in the Bible. This this left brain concept of like God has to love me, and so we title our book "Does God Really Like Me?" Because that's kind of like that gets it back into like the visceral like you know when someone doesn't like you. Like if you're in a room with somebody yeah. who doesn't want you there, you know, and you're yeah. feeling it in your body, and you, you know this engages your right brain, social empathy, all these different centers in your brain. And that and, is the way a lot of people experience God's presence. Is right. like God loves me because He has to, but I can tell He does not enjoy yeah. me, or I, I think He doesn't enjoy He's me. looking for the first excuse to, right. you know, kick me back out. Yeah. You right. know, as soon as I offend that holy standard, God's, you know. God's, but meanwhile, He's not the one who kicked out as much as you're the one that hit the exit button. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I, I hear you guys kind of uh, deconstructing then even just the idea of what sin is. You know, like Matt, you said earlier, it was the, the the idea you were chatting with somebody about. The idea of sin is God has a standard of behavior. Holiness, man. Hol- holiness. God has a standard of holiness. Heard and of I, it? I have heard of right. it. We but, talk about holiness in the book, too. Yes, Maybe in a different well, way. Right. Well, that, that's another thing that needs to be reconstructed, right? Because I think my dominant imagination of holiness was doing all the right things. It was a, a behavioral standard. That's how you, you know, behave holily. But um, but so but you guys are uh, sort of deconstructing then even the idea of sin, n- not so much as a offense of a holy standard, but as a leaving it's a broken of that relationship. which gives you life. Right? Break, breaking of relationships. Yeah, yeah. Walking yeah. the path of death instead of walking the path of life. Yeah. Which is, that's how the early church fathers all wrote about it, right? Because we, we'd left life. Yeah. Anyway. Well, so then... Um, so then help so I there's an appeal to me knowing about the love of God because I there's a there's a finite, discrete, you know, compendium of facts about that. You know, mm-hmm. I can I can memorize verses and I can make an argument and I can uh, share how it fits in with the other attributes yeah. of, of who God is, both essential and contingent, you know. Mm-hmm. Like there's this entire like intellectual as the French would say, jouissance of just, oh yeah, I can think all these great thoughts and they give me some sort of spiritual pleasure. But what you're describing is, even last week we had baptisms at our church and we had a visitor come who was a parent of, of somebody who's baptized. And, and and this person's been a Christian for 40 years and um, they're like, you know, I just don't really feel God's presence. Mm. I think that's an experience for a lot of people. I can feel all the intellectual pleasure of knowing the right stuff about God. I can feel that. But then when we get into God's with me, I think most people said who, most people are like, really? How? And how do I know? And how, what, how do I tap into that? Yeah, well, and I think that's what you guys are doing so well with Gravity Leadership is helping people tap into how is God with me in Kairos mm. moments? And how do I notice mm. when God is actually breaking, like my reality is splitting open and I'm seeing a moment of like, oh my goodness, like... Something is rising up in me, and this could possibly be God getting my attention because he wants to, you know, invite me into something different. Hmm. And so I love the way that you guys are doing that with Gravity Leadership, and I think that's a lot of how we experience God's presence is that God communicates with us through our ordinary circumstances. You know, in the emotions that rise up in us, that's his invitation to notice that, hey, you know what, you might be, you might be believing something that's not really good for you. It's not Mm -hmm. really what I'm intending for you to know. And, you know, actually delving into that, into that emotional response might actually lead you into a better understanding of who I am and, you know, an invitation into life with me in a different way. And 
Um, Hmm. And I think in being with the people of God, I mean, God is with us through our communities. And, you know, how many times have you heard an encouraging word from someone where you're like, oh, that is exactly what I needed to hear in that moment? Well, that's God's goodness, right? It's not just the Mm -hmm. person that's God at work. And so I think, you know, understanding that God with us doesn't always have to be this like mystical, ecstatic experience of like spiritual union where you're like lifted up into the third heaven and (laughs) seeing a vision, you know, that like... Although, you know, when I hear people having faith crisis, I do start praying that people would have some sort of charismatic experience of God because I was like, you know, you're not going to get more and better answers to get you out of this. You just need to like experience god i think so it's kind of like redeemed some of that like is jesus your personal savior it's kind of like well you you kind of do need to experience you, jesus in yeah. a personal way yeah. you really but, do. That, but that personal way comes through other people too and we yeah. were preaching about this uh fruit of the spirit um and those aren't like the fruit of the spirit aren't things that grow and that i eat myself you know they're not just for me <laughs> like all the fruit are like inter um they're relational so like you know you can only grow in love by being with people and i think a lot of people who kind of are in a faith crisis are also in a community crisis yes Yes. and i think those two things go together and so you have to like move into um deeper and richer and vulnerable relationships and then all of a sudden you're probably going to see start experiencing god like Mm -hmm. i bore my soul to someone and then they looked at me without hatred and they gave me a hug and wow god was there yeah right like that's yeah that's where you're going to start experiencing those things yeah yeah so i I hear you guys saying like there, like god is like it's taking this leap a little bit of of faith right there's a little bit of a leap of faith to say i wonder if god may be communicating with me more than i realize yeah i wonder if god's presence is available to be more than i more than i thought and it's taking this leap of starting to pay closer attention Mm -hmm. to what's happening in your life um good bad and ugly like God, God can be present and speak good news to you in the midst of something that feels bad, but but paying attention to that feeling right. is really the first step into uh, learning how to sense and feel God's presence. Like you have to start feeling your your <laughs> like own you emotions. You own emotions, yeah. right? Because if God is communicating to you through your body and through your thoughts and through your emotions, starting to pay attention to your body, your thoughts, your emotions is really where you meet God. Yeah. Now, it's not all going to be God, but you start to sense where he's at work as you do that in community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's... We've just been leading our church through a whole process of learning relational skills and growing relational capacity. Because I think a lot of times what we think of as a as a faith crisis is really a capacity crisis of like, I've, hmm. I've, I've received as much from God as I'm able to like bear right. over the last, you know five or 10 years. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, where's God? God's not here anymore. Sometimes it's called like the dark night of the soul or something like that. Well, it's not that God disappeared. It's actually your capacity has been capped now through life circumstances or your own rebelliousness or who knows what. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I mean this in a literal sense, like your brain, you know, because of trauma or attachment or different kind of problems, like our brains can only have a certain amount of capacity, you know, until we intentionally grow it. And so, How, how do we learn the skills, like you said, Ben, like being connected to my own body, understanding my emotions, that increases my capacity, being connected to other people and being open and vulnerable, that increases my capacity. When we increase our capacity, all of a sudden we're going to see more of God's love or presence um, being available for us. So those two yeah. things fit together. So sometimes we think of intellectual 
um, crises and these faith crises, and we're deconstructing faith. And it's like, well, maybe you need to do a little more looking like in the mirror and like excavate your own soul um, and then create more spaces for God to fill in. And then you'll be like, oh, what? Like God, God is at work here. Wow. Yeah. How does that sound? I love it. Sounds Let's great. do it. Everybody. <laughs> everybody, get out, everybody get out there. Excavate your go, souls, go everybody. Excavate your souls, everybody. Go do it. We're going to sing a hymn, take up an offering. Uh, like there's uh, Jeff, what I hear you saying is there's basically um, God's presence is accessed through reality, and we need to become more aware of reality in order to access God's presence. Like my physical reality, like my emotional reality? You yeah, mean? what I hear you saying is like right. there's there's all kinds of things happening in in the constellation of Jeff and Matt, and most of it we just remain ignorant of or out of tune with or right. not tending to or we... We we say we think it's unimportant, but as we tune into that, as we dial into that, become aware of that, we have m- more more tactile places to connect with the Lord and other people. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and it goes back to you know one of your axioms of that God meets us where we actually are. That's like, right. You know, yeah. like God meets you where you really are, not where you think you should, you ought to be or where you're pretending you are. And so, mm-hmm. the more we can become in touch with where we really are, the more that we will find that God is meeting with us in the places where we really are. Yes. Well, and the work you guys are doing through your podcast and the book, when does the book come out? January 21st. Good. It's awesome. soon, finally. That is soon. That is soon. That's incredible. Well, um, you guys are doing great work. Yep. And we believe in what you're doing and we love it. And we believe in what you're doing and we love it. So <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. We're, all, we're all friends here. Yeah. We're all, we're all fans mm. yeah. of each other. Great. Well, we'll put a link uh, to the book. Where, where do you guys care where people buy it? Is it going to be available Amazon. wherever books it's are sold? Already, uh, available it's already available for, for pre- pre-order. Okay, oh, okay. We'll On put Amazon. a link in that in the show notes for it. If you're curious about whether God really likes you, uh, and and you want to read some read some about that, uh, order the book, and then we'll put a link to your mm-hmm. podcast in there as and well. And I just want to say one more thing about the book too. Like it's not it's it's written for everybody. Like you don't Good. have to have a strong theological or philosophical background in order to understand what we're talking about. We tried to write it so that people can understand it. Okay. And we wrote it for people like you guys or other pastors who are like, I'm reading N.T. Wright and Scott McKnight and all these other people, but like I can't ask, you know, my lay leader to read that stuff, you yeah. know, without. Uh, and so we've been trying to take all that stuff and kind of bring it, you know, hmm. kind of on the bottom shelf. Like you could just a lot of stories, Accessible. maybe, and people who have read it, they like. We've had people read it all in one day, like they can't stop. So oh, that's awesome. It's pretty encouraging. Yeah, maybe, really yeah. Maybe we'll have you back because um, there's there is this uh, really strong theological stream in this in the waters we swim in mm-hmm. that would say, "Of course, God doesn't like me." Right? Yeah, that's very. And, true. If, and we've had and people if you say, think, "If you think God does like you, then you can't be saved." Mm. Yeah, or people say that's <clears throat> like the wrong question, like. We've I've gotten that quite a bit. Like yeah. that's just a dumb question. Does God? It's like well, I yeah, it see, doesn't really matter. It's not dumb to the people. Yeah, <laughs> I talk to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would love to have because I think part of part of the, our listeners, part of the people we hear from is I can't leave. I can't leave the the fact that the um the given in my head that God is so thoroughly disgusted with me. Like God's uh, fundamental no. posture. <laughs> we actually have a chapter me. with that title. Do the you? title is, is, God... is God Disgusted with Me. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I talk to leaders like all the time in, in our cohorts, and it's like yeah. it's like hardwired into their operating mm-hmm. system. Yeah. And if and it feels like, Sid, if they if they dare to believe 
that God isn't thoroughly disgusted with who they are, that they'll lose their faith. Yeah, they're they're yeah. They'll you become know? liberals. Or right. or it's just a therapeutic it's just right. some sort of therapeutic self help, well, yeah, whatever. And it goes mm. back to that understanding of what was going on in the garden. And yes. you know, I mean if yes. if original sin means that you're born because you know, you're born into a place where you are absolutely uh, depraved and you cannot live up to God's holy standard no matter what you do, then that does lead to a place of God is always disgusted with me. Yeah. But if the but if you're instead if you're born separated from God, yeah. You know, and you're being invited into his presence, then that's a different understanding of of what's wrong. Yes. Which then feels like there's a well, I'm de- salvation dis- is yeah, different. Salvation too. is different. The whole thing is yeah. All right. Well it matters a lot. I just does. appreciate your work. You've just talked me into having you back on the podcast. We gotta <laughs> We'll do more of this. I yes. guess. We'll do more of this. Uh, thanks for making space for us this, this morning. Yeah, thanks for... Good to be in your house. Yeah. Thanks for coming to our secret bunker. Yes. Yeah, yep. we'll have to come back sometime and right. record more podcasts. Right. Or we'll come to you. Yes. Okay, yeah, come down. Right. Bless you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.